What's going on, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the podcast. Hello, how are you today? I'm your host, Mitch Corbett, and today's guest is fantastic. She is a wonderful human being. Her name is Joanne Ferns. She has started a, her own business called Ish Nutrition, and the concept of that, she's a lifestyle analyst, and so she'll take a prick of, prick of your blood, and she'll kind of tell you what needs to change in your diet and everything, um, but her story is so much more uh, grander than just that. So she has a, a really fun um, and hectic story actually um, but she's come out of everything uh, for the better and that's why I wanted to have her on this podcast because she I've only met her a handful of times but each time you can tell that she's a, a very special person and I hope that you guys can take that away from this episode of the podcast so let's get to it let's talk to Joanne Ferns it's just like this annoying little pop-up like oh good I've broken it already <laughs> just like the hearts of many many men I assume. <laughs> I mean, it's a hard job. Someone has to do it. Yeah, all my exes did that for some reason, too. I don't know what. <laughs> You're one of them, damn you. <laughs> yeah, I'm a terrible human. I've just accepted it, really, and, like, added sass to a lot of things, and then it just makes everything better. But, like, can you be a terrible person if you know you're a terrible person? Like, at least, you're, at least you're living your true own true self, right? Yeah, I mean... but those are called sociopaths. So you're saying you're a sociopath? Nah, I have emotions. I just don't care as much about it. Mm. And in this therapy session of Hello, How Are You Today, we're going to get to the bottom of what makes Joanne Ferrin sick. <laughs> Joke's on you. That's Tuesdays at 7.30 with my therapist. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into it. Uh, Joanne Ferns, welcome to the podcast. Hello, How Are You Today? How are you doing on this lovely Sunday afternoon Man. as we're recording this? It, honestly, it's it's been a really, really pretty day. I've been loving it. Now, I will warn you, there may or may not be a random cat, just like. Oh, yeah, I left my door open so my cats can come and say hi as well. Don't worry. Excellent. Okay, just thought I would let you know ahead of time. So, Joanne, you have a, a real fascinating story. Uh, I've got to meet you through the TV show Women Who Lead, where you talk to, actually talk to um, the lovely Christy Primer about that. But I want to get you on the podcast to talk a little bit more in depth about your past, your present, and your future, because you have so many things going on that I think I'm wondering how your head doesn't explode and everything. So <laughs> let's start with uh, Ish Nutrition, shall we? Uh, Ish Nutrition is your own business. You are a live sale, live sale analyst. Um, and so you kind of like people give you their blood and you kind of tell them what's wrong with them sort of thing. So kind of explain to you, explain how you got into that uh, field of a uh, of science of doing it yeah so i always had an interest in health and health related um holistic fields so i've been doing it the holistic field since i was like 20 something so we're looking at like 14 years of of this type of background and uh honestly i wanted to when i grew up i wanted to be two things either i wanted to be a journalist or i wanted to be like a police detective now, clearly, neither of those were a very good idea because, well, I, yeah, I just probably shouldn't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you're not a big fan of writing with your hands. I'm not, no. Uh, there's a lot of things. But one of the reasons I really love doing what I do is that I got to combine a lot of my passions all in one segment. So I'm able to look at somebody and, and say, you know what, this is what's going on with you. This is the history of what's going on with you. This is really the underlining issue with my experience in the health food industry and, and in the holistic industry. And then I can take my deductive reasoning and my detective work and things like that for when I take the sample. So when I look at the blood, I look under the microscope and I project it onto a monitor. Now I might see 
17 things wrong with you. But that doesn't mean I'm going to do 17 different things about it. I'm going to find the root of the problem. And that's what we're going to be working with. That's what we're going to fix, as opposed to just dealing with the symptoms you might be having. Because I don't care about the symptom. I care about the system it's affected by. So like, it sounds like such a unique uh, career choice. And like, how, how did you, how did that passion spark to like become a live cell analyst? Uh, so Frank Yazdani is the owner of Blue Water Nutrition. Uh, he's been in practice and in business for about 25 years, I think it is this year. Um, and he is the live cell technician at the store. And for many years, I'd always be you know, asking to borrow his books and to look and to research. And I would ask to sit in on appointments and I would inundate him with a thousand questions and, and always be very interested in the details of what he's doing. And then when, honestly, when COVID happened, I was the manager of Blue Water Nutrition and you know what, we just really got talking the one day and, and he said, you know what, you're really wasting, you're wasting your time. I was like, sir. <laughs> I don't, I'm not used to such honesty. Okay, please give me a, give me a, yeah, give me a but, warning when you're going to, you know, hit me with some real life shit. Okay. Exactly. But the reason why he said that was we had a conversation about the fact that I, I was very good at what I did. I love what I do is as a manager and I love working on the floor with the customers and, and the clients and the staff and, and that sort of thing. But I mean, without sounding like a complete dick here, I was smarter than that. I was, I was more than that. And it took a couple of things coming into place that I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm actually really good at this. Like, oh, I can do this. So I did. So like, course. did you, did you, did you get any, did you have to go to school for that? Or like, did he train yeah. you on, did you apprenticeship sort of thing? Uh, so I did, I, I, I sat in with several appointments of, um, with, it's Roger. I apologize. It's okay. Um, so we're a cat, I, we're I a cat sat, friendly podcast over here. It is. So I sat in with several of his appointments because it is something that I am highly interested in. Um, but I actually did. I went to a course in Toronto uh, that was also with Ryerson University. Oh, no, sorry, Anderson's College to get my certification for allowing me to be able to puncture someone, take the sample, and properly dispose of, well, human waste I guess mm -hmm. uh, so I was able to take those and I'm also in the last leg of my registered holistic nutrition course through the Canadian School of uh, Canadian School of Natural Nutrition okay and so like when you decided to go on this journey of because uh, like what were you doing before all this like did you have a path or was like yeah I I always knew that I wanted to stick in the health food industry and I knew that I wanted to do something, but to be totally honest, there was that little like monster in my head who was basically saying, you know, I'm not enough. I'm not smart. I'm not this. I'm not that. I know. And like, why would someone pay to come see me? All of these things. And eventually, you know, all of this, those little in the back of my head got to shut the fuck up and I was able to really put in perspective the quality of the human that I am and and what I offer the world and what I offer clients so once that kind of clicked in my head man there was there was nothing stopping me I started my business I took the courses I created ISH nutrition um I put my website up I started like once that ball got rolling it it hasn't stopped yet 
and that's awesome so like it's interesting for you when you say that because like you find you like you're 30 you're in your you're my age you're so 33 34 area 34, i just turned 34 and like a lot of people will always think like oh you have to have everything accomplished by that time but you've you and i and like many more people are like you know there's we're slowly realizing that we don't have to have everything figured out by the time we're 30 like i mean it's not we're not no the generations have changed you know we're never going to be able to afford houses blah blah that's weird shit you know which can i just appreciate the fact that like i'm really glad i don't have a house i mean yes i love a garden i want chickens and like a whole farm situation but I also don't want to mow the lawn and I don't want to have to worry about flooding in my basement or like who's going to shovel the snow. I can just walk out of my apartment and go downstairs and it's all taken care of. Yeah. And like, so you, you, you've, you've had this kind of like Renaissance or not even Renaissance because Renaissance would happen when you guys like four or 50. I don't know. I'm not great with history. Um, but you're, you're, you found this thing that makes you happy and fulfilled and you are, um, passing that along because now you have uh ish nutrition where you get to help people you started the 15 houses foundation uh bursary which helps people um you you generally just like helping people did that come from uh where does this this need or wanting to help people come from well my therapist would say it's a trauma response um no i you know what? I don't know. Um, I always just felt like we're not meant to be here just to sit on our ass and serve ourselves. Um, I, I really don't like that quality and I don't, I don't necessarily have that connection to being able to sit back and just let the world happen, let things happen to you. I'm definitely that person who would rather be active, an active participant. And I mean, growing up in foster care, um, you definitely see that side of humanity where people really just need compassion and they need understanding and they need support and they need love. They don't need anger. They don't need frustration. They don't need defiance. They don't need a wall and an ego that people tend to put up when confronted with something that either conflicts with what they believe, conflicts with how they feel, and they take it personally when, to be perfectly honest, nothing in this world is personal. It's not, you know, against you. It's how you take what happens to you and deal with it. So for me, with my past and with everything, I took what happened to me and said, you know what, we're not going to perpetuate that. We're, we're going to start a new fresh, we're going to, we're going to start new, and we're going to create a life that's be- built off of love and compassion and hope and, and goodness versus a life that was started out definitely on the other spectrum. So let's talk about the other spectrum that you mentioned there, like you were in foster homes and mm-hmm. you mentioned to me that, that your bursary of 50 homes um, is based off the number of homes that you went through before you aged out and everything. So kind of give myself and everyone who might be listening like an idea of what I don't know foster life is like as I mean it sounds really shitty but you've come out of the out of the end of it with this great big smile and personality and positivity you know, and, and well thank you um therapy uh no honestly I I can only speak to my own experiences and and yes I had phenomenal homes while I was growing up in foster care there were a lot of homes that were really good and and I know that a lot of the the foster parents had really good intentions but unfortunately I just don't think that the foster parents were properly prepared to handle 
certain cases and certain issues that might come up in in a child that is in foster care and you know as much as I respect and, and I love the foster care system, I think it's a definitely a necessary thing in this world to protect children, to protect those who need it. And in some circumstances, give biological parents help and a break and some assistance and allow the children to be reunited in a home that's safe and has now a good firm foundation to build upon. Unfortunately, I didn't necessarily have that. Um, I did go through quite a few homes uh, while I grew up. There's a lot of circumstantial issues that were definitely contributing factors to that, but I'll be the first one to admit, man, I was a scared, pissed off, angry at the world kid. I got taken out of my home. I had every adult possible not believe my story and believe the accusations that I that I gave upon and I spent you know from the time I was seven until I went to university when I was 17 the entire time pretty much just you know sitting with my own truth going it's okay if no one believes you it sucks but I'm not going to take that back. I'm not going to lower myself to have an easier life or an easier way of doing this. So it was definitely a challenging experience, but it definitely allowed me to be the person I am today. And, and for that, I am exceptionally thankful. Do you ever like share stories of your foster days with like your friends who are quote unquote normal and they're like, oh my God, no. <laughs> all the time it's actually really funny um like is I, that is that how you get out of a bad day is you just like share it you start sharing your drama oh, no <laughs> just... i get out of bad days by just being myself or you could choke um no actually i i have um every so often i i have to like stop and do you watch brooklyn 99 yeah okay so there's um my, my girlfriend, Lindsay, she's a wonderful human. She sent me this meme and it was Peralta making a comment and I don't remember what it was. So if whoever is like going to watch this, if you can find the meme, it's essentially him going, oh, I use humor as a trauma response or like something about not realizing what he's saying is like as terrible as it is. Um, I was telling a story to somebody and they like, you could read them going, <laughs> And then, like very slowly, you could see the face, the face goes from a happy to just like, like a sad clown. It's like, oh my god, you poor thing. Let like, me help you. Can I adopt you? Can you come yeah. to my home? Like, I'm a grown up. Can you like? I have my own house. Like it was, it was cold, and I, I had to stop and go. Okay, you know what? What I learned growing up in foster care, and what I learned as the 34 year old adult who's sitting in front of you here, is that you have to realize that there are levels in which you can comfortably share information with other people. And a lot of that actually relies upon the fact that you have to respect other people and read them. And it's not necessarily that you don't wanna share or that you don't wanna necessarily tell them the story or whatever. You have to realize that there are going to be those moments that either you tell somebody something and it's gonna forever change their opinion of you they're not going to be able to handle what you have to say and that's not fair to either of you or which my best friends are they just laugh with you and go oh that explains so much they have like um, a, they have a they have like a side facebook chat to talk about you and your stories it's like oh, yeah. oh my god can you believe that joanne shared this story again oh my god what's going on? 
Yeah, exactly. Or they're like, we should donate to the, the therapy fund. Um, no, I, you know what is really funny? Uh, we were talking with friends and they said, they're talking about who taught them how to ride a bike. And, and it came to me because everyone was like sharing stories. And I sat there and I was like, You don't know how to ride a bike? No, I, I don't remember who taught me. Oh. I have no okay. idea. I don't remember what foster home I was in. I don't remember. I don't, I truly have no idea who taught me how to ride so, a bike. I know I can. So I'm how not does that, evidently, but I know I, I just don't remember who. So with the, like for foster homing, right? I know nothing in that world, but you went through 15 homes. Why 15 homes? It, that just sounds t- so, so counterproductive for a child's growth <laughs> and uh learning and social skills or anything yeah. like that like I, and like if you're having to change schools as well with all those different like you're always going in fists up at a new school like trying to you know what I mean yeah it, def- it definitely got a little bit confusing but the good news is I got really good at like reading the room and and making friends really quickly um hence the you know lovely personality you see before you coping mechanisms uh no you know what Uh, the goal of foster care is always to reunite the family right that's that's the main goal and some circumstances well that's just not the case uh and in that case you become what we call like crown ward which essentially means for lack of a better way of eloquently saying it the the government is now your parents like the government's they're the ones who get to say yes to sign the permission slips and things like that. Um, so at, this doesn't remind at, me of 1984 at all. It's, it's yeah, it's fine. No, it's there. Um, so government is watching it and letting you do everything. Yeah. So the general rule is that they do want to reunite the, uh, the families. And I honestly, I cannot sing the praises of foster homes, like foster parents, or um, when it comes to social workers enough, they are overworked, they are underpaid, they're underappreciated. And I couldn't imagine doing their job. Like, they deserve the highest praise in the world for what, uh, in this circumstance, in my personal opinion, of what they do. Now, I moved from home to home more frequently because, well, to be totally honest, I was a difficult child. Um, and I know that. I, no, I so know a difficult that, adult, FYI. Like, oh. I, yeah, yeah, but now more charming. Um, <laughs> but I was. I distracted I, I, my glasses. <laughs> yeah, I was I was a difficult child. And I and I'm not in, I mean in a, you know, a hellion kind of way, but I was like I had said before, I was scared. I was scared and I was alone and I was isolated from my entire world and I think what people need to realize is when you become a foster kid you are someone's job and and it's not always that circumstance it's not always how that feels if if there's a good foster home they're they're not meant to make you feel like a job but when it comes down to it you're literally someone's employee. Like you are the reason someone's employed. And and there's really no way to take away from that when you think of like normal homes or normal environments. You know, that's, that's definitely something that I had to learn to be able to process through and grow up. But I moved around from home to home a little bit more frequently than what the system would like because I did need a lot more assistance. And unfortunately, because of 
my trauma because of you know the lack of belief with what i i went through and that sort of thing it created a barrier uh between me and the foster parents or me and the social workers that unfortunately we just couldn't bridge and so when a kid becomes a little bit too difficult they just you know they try again and and they want to find a forever home for each kid so you mentioned your drama a few times already. I don't want to get into what your drama is because uh, if you want to, you can, if you don't, whatever. Um, but when did you first kind of like realize you had trauma and when did you actually start taking care of it? So I went into foster care when I was seven and I, you know, I grew up in the system and for the longest time i really thought i was acclimatizing really well i was like ah i can tell my story without crying i'm fine i i've processed my emotions i've moved past i i don't hate my biological parents you know i, I did all those things that you're you see in like hallmark movies that that's that's a good sign uh and honestly it wasn't until i was in my 30s uh, like early, early 30s. I'm talking like 29, 30, that bridge there that I actually so like of, three years ago, four yeah. years ago. <laughs> no, seriously, it yeah. was. And it wasn't until then that I actually got into counseling more frequently. And I remember talking to a counselor and saying about my trauma and, and she's like, oh, like, that's really crap. Like she was, you know, having that response. And I was just like, it is what it is. Um, and uh, like recently, the, a different counselor had said the same thing. And then she goes, you know, it's not normal for you to read out your story like you're reading a book. And I was like, what do you mean? It means I processed it. And she goes, oh, honey, no. <laughs> like it means you've disassociated <laughs> from it. And it wasn't until I actually started to acknowledge everything I went through as a child, everything I went through in foster care, why I do the things I did as a self-preservation mechanism that I kind of sat down and went, Oh fuck. Oh my. Oh, what was that? that what, what, what was that drive home like after that session? Oh my God. Thankfully, because of COVID, it was all like this. So when I turned off the, the camera and like we ended our session, I seriously sat there for a good while going, oh, Where are my cats? I need my cats. Someone <laughs> someone cuddle me now. Well, I just kept saying, like, oh, I had a terrible childhood. Oh my God, I had a terrible. I had a horrible childhood and and it finally actually came in that I was like oh my gosh and so it's just been a process of healing and it's been a process of relearning certain characteristic traits and and getting rid of those coping mechanisms that worked phenomenally when I was a child being abused when I was a child in foster care when I was a teenager living on my own in a big city all of those served a purpose but none of those represent me at 34 sitting in my apartment with my two cats needing to make you know human connection so it definitely was a catalyst moment to really deal with everything and, and get my life back and has that catalyst moment helped you in the sense of like realizing that you want to help others with ish nutrition and with your bursary and like maybe just even like helping uh people talk things out because i mean like you're 34 and you have i guess maybe a shit ton of like experience that people don't have and you've been able to deal with this i feel like you are more um acclimated to be able to help someone who's going through a half hard time than someone who may not you know it it definitely allows me a very 
how do I say this properly? I'm very thankful that it allows me to have an open mind when speaking with clients who are discussing work stress, life stress, home stress, uh, stress. You're the motherhead, aren't you? Uh, no. <laughs> No, because here's why. Because I understand the process of self-healing, because I understand what it's like to be in that circumstance and be in that situation, um, I'm also able to properly actually be able to say, you know what, this isn't my place. It's not my place to make you see the light. It's not my place to force you to heal or, or not my place to really counsel that situation but it is my place to offer a safe environment for people to come in and talk freely about what they're going through and being able to lose my ego lose that sense of I can fix everything because I can't but you know what I can do I can offer an ear I can offer a safe environment I can I can listen without judgment and and when people come into the office they're already vulnerable they don't need to hear someone preach. They don't need to hear somebody talk about their own issues. They don't need somebody to sit there and be like, you need to do this. And how dare you not be able to accomplish that? What they need is someone to be able to listen to them. And that's it. And, and that was something that was denied to me as a child growing up. Somebody just to listen to me. And so we, you've talked about uh, therapy. Um, we were talking about listening to people and everything like that. Um, how when did you start doing therapy and how like how, was it your very first therapist that was able to help you or have you had to kind of go through a process of, of finding that right person to talk to sort of thing um I've, I've been in therapy since i was seven like as soon as you go into foster care they're like Oop, therapy um, do they do so they I, actually do like therapy for foster kids is that like yeah, part of the curriculum play, okay. like a lot of time is play therapist i actually had a really good play therapist she was lovely um no i honestly have always been in therapy but it wasn't until i was like i said that 30 range that my life just kind of went ah, um that i actually was able to be vulnerable enough in therapy to tell the therapist what I was thinking and not be afraid of being judged. Uh, a lot of the times I wouldn't feel comfortable opening up to them to express what I'm thinking. And um, I, I use, uh, it's the Health Counseling, Health Counseling Center uh, here in town. I think they have like different locations, but- This is in Sarnia, right? Yeah, so they yeah. have phenomenal counselors on hand. They're all just beautiful humans. And for the first time, I felt comfortable enough to to tell my therapist the things I'm in therapy for. <laughs> it's a, it's really sad when you don't feel comfortable to talk to your therapist about the things you need counseling about. Mm. And so, you know, talking about exes, talking about life, talking about crying in the shower, talking about being explosively mad because they're out of almond milk at Starbucks. Like, how but dare they? Right. Um, <laughs> But because of that, I was able to unlock a lot of issues I didn't know I had because I felt safe enough to discuss them with somebody and it's been helping. Have you, have you been able to incorporate what you learned through your own therapy sessions and, and your live, live cell analysts as well? Like, can you tell through someone's blood if they're overstressed, overstimulated and they might need to see a yeah. therapist? Well, I mean, I think everyone needs to see a therapist. So 
just saying. Uh, no, actually, so when we do the live cell analysis, we have these things called ovalocytes, and they're little oval-shaped cells. And the really cool thing about it is ovalocytes are a really key indicator to somebody's hormonal response to things. It can indicate if somebody is and this menstruating. Is both, this is both in men and women, right? Like so in hormonal. women, it's a little trickier because it could mean they're pregnant, they're menstruating, things like that. But it's also a stress hormone. So men, it's pretty easy to be like, oh, I see those. You're probably really stressed. In women, you have to kind of clarify that they're not pregnant, they're not on their cycle, and then have that discussion. Um, and then, yes, yeah, sometimes there might be an open discussion if, if they are an overly stressed human. I'll suggest certain books. Um, so anything from John, John, John Gary Bishop, John Gary John Bishop, Gary John Bishop, anything from him, 10 out of 10 would listen to. Mark Manson has some good ones. Like there's a lot of books that I'll be like, you should read this. It will help you. Um, but other than that, uh, I, I will give supportive roles and, and outsource to other people who are way more qualified to be able to assist them in the manner that they need, because the body is not just a physical representation. The body is your emotional state. It's your physical state. It's your spiritual state. All of those are together to make up make who you are. And you have to take care of all of those things. And I think the most important thing in, during this discussion that we're having is that like, you you sound you speak well you look great you're like everything seems very well but I showered today I yeah really about that. and like but like it's not done right you're not cured you're not fixed like it's an ongoing process and I think Absolutely. that's I think that's actually a great message because like I mean I would hate to be fixed now because then there's no room for growth there's no learning there's no adapting there's no fun stuff to look forward to uh, as you get older I'm not even that is like as life happens you have to learn to adapt to what goes on you have to learn to handle what comes at you and if you think for any minute that you're done needing self-growth or self-awareness or anything like that I'm concerned so I think that you need to reevaluate how you view yourself and maybe take that ego down a little bit and just sit with yourself and go okay Am I actually good with things or am I just in a safe space where I can just kind of stop for a minute, live life right now. And when something else comes up, I can address it accordingly. Um, but no, man, I'm 34 and I'm still, I'm still thinking it's, it's necessary to talk to somebody. I think it's key to have a safe space, whether you think you need it or not. It's right, just so like, like going, going to your friend's place. Right. So it, cause like I've, in the past, like, I don't know, four or five weeks, I've thought about getting therapy myself. I haven't really settled down on what to do or how to do or anything like that, but I just feel like there's probably someone I need to talk to outside of my wife. And I'm not sure if it's just, I need someone to complain about my wife sort of thing, or like, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's well, nice just to have somebody to talk well, to be, that you feel safe with. Yeah. And so like, and then like, in mentioning, like when you mentioned how like you have your trauma, but people don't believe in you, that brought back some own trauma to myself where like, I remember being in grade eight and this teacher is saying, Oh, I don't fucking believe you. Blah, blah. I'm like, I, and I just don't even remember what happened in that situation, but you know, it just rang a bell yeah. right there. Right. So it just, those are the things that stick with you. So like talk about the process of, you know, making that decision. Like you mentioned therapy since you were seven, but that's decision to, as an adult, make a decision, like knowing that's what you want, as opposed to being a court appointed sort of thing. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, it really came down to uh, something in my life happened that just kind of acted like a catalyst. And it, ha it actually forced me to take a really big step backwards and go, hold on what's going on what Hold is your this? horses just let's just, just put it on the brakes a little just, bit <laughs> just, just take what it is um and you know what looking back i am exceptionally thankful for that catalyst i mean do i wish it happened no obviously not well, but well can really i ask what the catalyst was like is it too personal or i know it's, it's you know what that's just something that's it's between me and, and me and, and my world um but it was something that just happened and I actually had to reevaluate a lot of things and it brought back a lot of emotions that I really thought that I had dealt with. And so I thought, you know what? Let's just check in. Let's just talk to somebody. Probably won't matter, but eh, let's do it anyway. And when I started talking and when I started to discuss these emotions that I'm having, like, why is this an issue? And it, then it took that, that counselor to be like, okay, well, this sounds like a lot more that's underlining. And that's when that progression of going, oh, cool. I have unresolved trauma that I didn't know about. And that's where it goes. Um, I really, really think that it's something that we need to realize whether you had a traumatic past or you had a normal lifestyle or, you know, I really don't care. I really think that therapy is something that everybody should allow themselves grace to, to, to be vulnerable, sit down with somebody and actually feel comfortable saying, you know what? I'm actually not okay. And it doesn't have to be anything huge. It could be, like I said, being upset because they're out of almond milk at Starbucks. It can be not sleeping. It can be lack of libido. It can be not feeling connected to your friends. It can be emptiness when you want to do something, but you don't really want to do anything. And you'd rather just sit down and stare at the wall. I think we need to give ourselves a Look lot more grace. Moving. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> I think we're so, but we're so in tune that like, oh, well, you, you, well, why are you in therapy? What's wrong with you? And like, first of all, well, I mean, so like, I think that, that, I think that that notion of therapy being a bad thing is slowly or may not even slowly, but has gone kind of to the wayside. Cause you look at a lot of the most successful people in the world, whether it be comedians, actors, uh, producers, directors, like, you know, sign, like they're all in therapy and it is yeah. a good, cause you can't like, there's a difference between therapy and there's difference. There's a difference between uh, talking to your friend who has no professional experience trying to console you sort of thing, right? But there's, there's a, there's a wide, uh, Viagra, which is Viagra a beautiful like bonding space. experience, but yeah, there's a big difference in that. And I, I, like you said, I think that there's been a lot more openness when it comes to that, but there's a difference. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but there's a difference between going, oh my God, so-and-so famous is in therapy. Like, good for them. I'm so happy they're taking time for themselves. They have all the money and, then, and resources to be well, successful. No, like, like, I mean, not that's what even I think. That. It's, it's also then saying, okay, I can't hang out tonight because I need a mental health night. And you're the same friend going, so you don't want to hang out? You'd be like, no, I, I'm, well, I just need a, a night to myself. <laughs> see, if my friend said that, I'd be okay with that. It's when they're like, sorry, man, something came up. The guy's like, right, you can be, just tell me. Okay, yeah, the, if you want to bail, just bail. I don't give a shit. Like, I, that saves me the effort of going out and grabbing your ass. I don't yeah, that's a little different. But I, I really do think that um, it is becoming a little bit more acceptable and, and talked about, which I think is a beautiful thing. You don't have to have trauma 
to need somebody to talk to in a safe space. And I think that's what we really need to keep inside of us is that we all deserve a safe space to talk about what the, the thoughts and the ideas that go on your brain, you don't talk to anybody else about because it, it is important and you are valuable and you are a valid human. And those little things in your head need that, that outlet. And I think counseling therapy, uh, eh, whatever you want to call it, is a beautiful way to do that. So um, in therapy, and there's also like ways, not around therapy, like um, things that help therapy, like being an artist, uh, communicating, that sort of thing. And I feel from my point, just discussing with you, annoying for you for a short point, that like you're very much an artistic uh, person, whether it be with your tattoos or drawing. Is that, do you get any therapy from the art on your arms or like from participating um, in art form or anything? Or is you your lifestyle analyst an art form itself? <laughs> I actually, you know, it's really funny is I give full credit to uh, to my tattoo, Sugar Shack and, and, and Ken Carden is like, this is all Haley. Um, I actually find the thing that helps me the most is at physical activity. I love running. I love yoga. I like working out. I like being active. And I find that if I need to think, if I need to process, like I took a week off to go in the middle of nowhere to go camping. And I hiked every day, all day, different trails up in um, Muskoka area. I, I went outside and I grounded myself. I got to be in touch with nature and just literally like word vomit out into the universe as I was hiking, as I was moving into this beautiful God created environment. I literally just word vomited the entire time, which is actually super helpful because I figured I'd be less likely to be murdered if someone thought I was crazy. So I was like, <laughs> slight helpful thing. Um, so no, like for me, it's, it's give me a physical activity and I am, I'm golden. So like, I find that, you know, uh, physical activity is like a fantastic uh, stress reliever. Uh, sometimes I'll just be in such a moment. Like, I just need to lift some heavy shit. <laughs> you need to do something yeah um I, but I, it's it's hard for some people to get over that mental hurdle of actually getting dressed and going to the gym and I don't Absolutely. know if you, I don't know if you've been to the gym recently but my god the things that people wear <laughs> like it's a fell on fashion <laughs> statement I and like listen not for nothing like women do what you want but you're almost I see a lot of women at the gym that are almost like wearing lingerie it is very distracting <laughs> It's very like unnerving that to see like a you thing though because i think Pardon? especially in, in that environment you know what if it's like your way of feeling comfortable and empowered no, and that sort of thing like, no it's not absolutely. like i don't mind it it's just like but like here's my so one day i was doing the rowing machine right and uh my love was here and then this this woman this busty woman in like a tank top and or not even like a bra is just in front of me like and like i'm like how do I not like? I'm just like this, like, trying to avoid like being that because like you you go to the gym, um, and there are some you see some of those guys or even some women where they're kind of standing there and they're just looking at everyone. And I'm like, it's yeah. very like you know, it's a very weird spot. The gym sometimes. 
I think that I think we all need to realize that the gym for a lot of people is a very safe environment. It is their outlet. It is their therapy. It is the way that they get out those emotions. They get out those feelings. They, they, put, you know, improving themselves and that type of thing. And you know, what, how, how they choose to, how they choose to do it, how they choose to wear while they're there, whatever they do, that's their safe environment. So like as a female, I will tell you that if you are anybody at the gym and you are ever unsure about what to do in that environment, first of all, let's think about what you're going through your head right there. But also the floor is a very beautiful thing to look at, Um, but it is a safe space for a lot of people. And I think we need to embrace that and, and allow that safe safe environment to, to feel there and allow that, that type of therapy because for them, that's exactly what it is. And, and I think that's a beautiful thing to have. Um, I, I went running the other day and I, or like when I was on, um, my one week away and I had to take a photo to send to my friends because on one of the trails, it was like, if you're on this trail, like this is a hunting trail, wear bright orange. And I looked down and I'm in head to toe black. And I'm like, oh, good. Black bear. I'm going to die today. <laughs> <laughs> so in case anyone knows, uh, you're just like the last whereabouts known of Joy. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was like, okay, so good to know. So my girlfriend, Denise, she's like, hey, so please don't go on those trails again. I'm like, no, no, nope. I'm not going to do that because I don't want to die. <laughs> and so like, I think it's, man, you, your story is so interesting. There's so many things that we can go down, but like, I really want to talk a little bit more about the, the bursary that you have created. Now, this is brand new, right? It is. Yeah. It's, um, it's just, it's in its final. So I did an unofficial version last year before because COVID and everything. I was like, eh, my accountant can deal with okay, this later. So let's, let's, cause like, I, I don't think people would understand the background behind it, right? Is like, it's called yes. 15 Houses, right? It's or called 15? the 15 Houses Foundation. Yes. And yeah. it is a educational bursary fund. And it's based off of the fact that you aged out of uh, foster care. And then the, you were fortunate enough to get some bursaries that allowed you to go to post-secondary yeah. education, but not those resources aren't always available to, you know, kids, other kids that fo- foster out, yeah. right? So, so, oh, sorry. I was like, no, yeah. go so ahead. The, no, the, like, tell, tell us where did this idea come from? What's the process been like? Cause it's such a like cool thing that you're doing. And I feel like it's, uh, such a, a beautiful story of like a full circle story where like you know you may not have been there you know, people may not have been there for you but you want to be there for other other people right mm-hmm. yeah so what it is it's an educational bursary foundation that is applicable for any Canadian foster kid between 18 and 25 now in the foster care system you are 18 you're an official adult you can move out and you still get assistance until I think unless correct me if I'm wrong until 21 at least that's what it was when I aged out um but I don't know about you but when you were 21 did you have any idea what you wanted to do in your world dude I fucking had a breakup and went and worked on cruise ships which was fucking mind-boggling dumb but also cool shit there's I have a whole fucking thing about it it's and then I it wasn't until I was like 26 28 that I was like oh okay now I'm ready to grow up I should probably do that. I don't want to grow up, period. I want to grow up a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, and and for for a lot of kids, that's the case. Now, as a normal or or a regular quote-unquote family, when you turn 21, your parents just don't go like, 
peace, enjoy the rest of your life, goodbye. They're still there for you, theoretically. Again, I know there's circumstances and different environment homes. It's not always the case. But as a general reference, your parents just don't decide you don't exist after 21. Um, when you're a foster kid, unfortunately, be, because of you know space and time and money, when you turn 21, you are now out of the system. And again, I, it might have changed to 20 something like recently. So please correct me if I'm I'm wrong. But I'm not going to look the, it up. So we'll just go with the, you're smart enough. Good. You know? Okay. Well, so the thing is, is that I, I really noticed that when I was 21 and I was suddenly on my own and I had no one because the government is my parents and the government just said, peace out, Girl Scout, have a great rest of your life. Um, I, I worked my ass off. I went, I worked three jobs. I applied for every scholarship and bursary and like any option to get money to go to school. And it took a lot of effort. Now, here's the thing. Uh, only 44% of Canadian foster kids in Ontario actually graduate high school. Or 44%. That's as of 20, or 2019 statistic. Now, 44% of foster kids even graduating high school is so wrong. Like that, they're that alone is just boggling that that needs to be addressed and it needs to be worked on and that is something that money isn't going to fix but for going into post-secondary education that number drops drastically so my what i want to do and what i have on my heart to do is to be able to provide any foster kid in ontario between 18 and 25 an opportunity to go to school it doesn't have to be university it doesn't even have to be college. It you could be an apprenticeship. Go, it could be a stewardship. It could it be like whatever. You can go to. It could be an online. It could be an I, online course to fucking learn graphic design. Who knows? Zero shits are given. If you are doing something that is going to improve your life, it's going to improve your standing. It's going to make a life for you that you can be proud of. Send me an email. Shoot me. You can find it on my website give me the information you have to apply i do have quite a bit of applicants coming in but i am pledging 10 percent of ish nutrition's uh yearly income to this foundation so thankfully we've been really lucky to be able to hand out about five of them already um my accountant has to have fun with that one but i'm really hoping that this is something that kids can use to just be able to do something to make their life better because something that most kids don't feel is that they actually deserve it and they do do you do you ever realize how cool that is that you've given away five education like I, you like know have, you get, have, have you have you had a chance to pat yourself on the back for that sort of thing i mean that's pretty fucking dope no but i definitely sound like cried a lot because i just sat there and i was like okay one i'm an adult <clears throat> <laughs> a little bit or go on <laughs> um no but it, i actually got to sit down and go that's really cool that is really cool and and what i like best about it is that it's it's because the clients are coming in because people are coming in to see me part of your visit goes to this bursary foundation so i appreciate everybody who comes to see me and i think the coolest thing about this is not only that are you're you're paying it forward but the people that you're helping, they're most likely to pay it forward. And it's going to be this great circle of like helping one another, helping the next generation, so on and so forth. So I think 
uh, when it's all said and done, you're going to be on your like rocker on your death battery. You're going to be like, no, I, I did a good thing. I'm ready to go. <laughs> you know, you're like, it's, it's a very cool, I'm good. cool, it's yeah. a cool thing that you're doing. And it's like, it's beyond cool actually, but like, like, so you, you have so much experience in terms of like foster homes and like that has got to be a, a uniquely difficult experience, but at the same time, you've probably met so many amazing men and women from those homes and like how do you have has like all that knowledge from like bits and pieces from those parents affected how you've become today um or were you so young that kind of just went in one year out the other and that you're gonna like later on it's gonna hit you like oh i'll have me that this person meant this <laughs> actually you know what so i had a, a social worker I was in, I think my sixth or fifth foster home and I had a social worker and I'm going to say her name wrong, but from my memory, her name was Bev and I think it's like Sibri or something like that. And she had a daughter and this, this, this woman was just top notch. So she was one of the only, the only person in the system who believed me and believed my story and believed what happened. And I remember her taking me with her own daughter to circle our ranch in London and we went horseback riding and every like I don't remember how long because you're a kid so you don't remember time but it felt frequently we would go to the Little Beaver restaurant in Kamoka and we would have breakfast and I remember actually getting like a birthday present now this may seem like a weird thing to be excited about but like as a foster kid you don't usually get like Christmas presents or birthday you're presents like because <laughs> reasons yeah exactly so hello hello so the the thing is is that she would always be there for me she she was able to provide me like with that support and that love and honestly um unfortunately she passed on yeah she passed on um a little while ago but she's she was a good woman and i really hope that her daughter knows just how much that her her love and her affection and and her commitment to me meant to me she was the only person who made me feel like I was a valuable individual and that stuck with me and I'm 34 and I still like get a little bit like teary-eyed when I think about it because she was phenomenal um I had a couple of phenomenal social workers as well uh who I kind of still keep in contact a little bit now and they're you know what they're they deserve a lot more uh credit than what they're <laughs> my cat is just playing around with everything now so excuse me just a brief moment what's your kid cat's name again this one is roger he's a little bit of a, a puffball yep but i also have steve but steve's sleeping all right chester come here chester come here buddy. someone wants to say hi yeah big old stretch there you go come on <laughs> just woke up for a nap come here Oh, Chester, you might make this thing difficult for you. Oh. <laughs> I like the orange cat. Yeah, we have uh, we have another cat named uh, Nooks on the Moon. Oh, nice. Yeah. But what do you actually call her, though? Anook is her. That makes sense. Oh, you're stepping on my laptop. This is... That's why I have to keep taking Roger down is because he he's very jealous when I do anything other than give him attention. So he likes to like climb on everything. And sometimes I'm like, but I need to do work though. I'll give you attention when I'm done. 
So when we uh, when we uh, we got a nook, uh, she was a, a foster care uh, kitty cat, and when we first got her, no one told us not to rush our love towards her. <laughs> so my wife was she was up in the ceiling, and my wife reached her hand and got bitten by her, um, and then her her hand swelled up, and we had to go to the hospital every six hours for transfusions for medicine sort of thing. And so we were like, oh, we need to give this cat an evil name. And so we were watching the mummy and it's like, oh, Nooks in the moon. moon is what you did. And so That's when fair. she runs away, we can just yell, Nooks in the moon, Nooks in the moon, Nooks in the moon. And then she says, nigh at the end. And runs That's, away. A, That's amazing. So you want know something really funny, like not as a cat, but like as a human. Um, I have, I have a family. Um, they are like, they're just the greatest humans in the entire world. Um, about 10 years ago, my friend Kyla, I met her through another friend, Amanda, and she, we were chatting, whatever, and it was like Christmas time. And she's like, oh, so like, what are you doing for the holidays? And I'm like, same thing we do every night, you know, <laughs> thinking the brain style. Oh, and did she I respond said, you know, appropriately? I hope so. I, you know, I don't remember, but we were talking like basically like nothing because again, as a foster kid my experience it wasn't exactly Christmas wasn't really a thing anyway um she's like okay jokes on you you're like you're coming to my house for Christmas and I was like no thank you you started crying instantly didn't you no I was like no thank you that sounds like a terrible idea um and like next thing I know I walk into this 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 house which turns out to be Grams and Gramses and and there was like and Oh, no. we lost her for a little bit she froze at a very inopportune moment that was so weird I, I have no idea what just happened it just like froze on me all right let's go horizontal again because that will fit the frame i have to use my phone because my internet apparently is not working How's uh, that? it's not with kojo is it Actually, I don't know because it's not my internet. My neighbor and I share internet because it saves money. And so it's his internet. So I think he might be like streaming or I don't know. Anyway, is that okay? So, so yeah, this purpose. Uh, so you were talking uh, last about cat story. Yes. No, the, your cat's reaction to like you wanting to love them uh, and like give them all the affection was definitely my reaction to like, the first time having affection from a family, I, I like, I was like, ah, no, like, ah, abort mission. Um, and I definitely had that reaction, but I mean, it's been 10 years and I, like, I could not be more thankful. I have, like, I went for a walk with Gramps today. I got to go Christmas shopping with, with Kyla, my sister yesterday. I talked to mom today about like buying washers and dryers. Like, it's really cool to actually have a family, but I definitely didn't just jump into it being like, yay, love me. I, I was very apprehensive and, and, and they definitely taught me what it was like to have a family, what it was like to love, to accept love. Uh, my first Christmas with them, I was very sprung up on them and mom wrapped a bunch of Ziploc bags and <laughs> as gifts. And now every year I get like Ziploc bags wrapped up and it's honestly my favorite present. Um, but they definitely taught me how to appreciate family and, and values. And they, you know, they're there for me when I need them. And I am, I would not be the person I am today if I didn't have them in my life. So when my, when I worked, so I was 21 when I first joined cruise ships, right? And I remember the first Christmas. I was so, I was away from my family for the first time Christmas. 
very sad. Christmas has been ruined, blah, blah. And I go to my friend's place. Uh, we're all living next to Doherty's other. So I go over to uh, Nina's and, um, uh, sorry, Yanina's and uh, Claire's. And they're like, oh, here's your Christmas gift. And I'm like, you got, you got me a gift? <laughs> I literally had to leave and go cry for like five minutes. After, because I was not expecting it, I was like, "Okay, Christmas, okay." okay. <laughs> so yeah, that like it, it really fucking it, it really affected me in a, like in an insane way. I was like so emotional after it. Um, yeah, I know the feeling. It's weird when you're like, "Oh my god, human connection." What do you mean? All right, now let's go into some more lighthearted top topics. I I see your Captain America poster in the background. Oh my, like my my wall of art. Yeah. How much, uh, uh, how much, like, what are you interested in? Like, are you interested in art? Are you interested in comics? That's like, what is, what, 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 what do you find interesting in the world today that gets you like up in the morning to have some fun and be ridiculous um, with? You know what? I, I, yeah, I like comic books. I like reading comic books. I'm not insane and following every detail with every storyline. And my friends like are, and it's annoying. So good. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm not that person, but I, I love reading it. I love um, looking into it. I, I have a whole comic book collection over on the corner, like my bookcase over here. I love reading uh, anything to do that my brain can just kind of escape um, working out, exercising, like I said, yoga, running, all of that. Um, I okay. I love B rated movies. And I don't just mean like B-rated movies. I'm talking like, oh my goodness, they have to be good B-rated. So what's sorry? Like, I, I I pride myself on being a film expert of sorts. The fuck is a V-rated film? Okay, so we're talking like there's okay. For example, there's a, a movie called Shark Lake, and it's a with um Dolph Lundberg is his name. Is that Lock, him? London. Sure. Yeah, Rocky. Him. Yeah, he was in it. Um, but like it's this shark that is now in a lake um, and it attacks people and it's just the greatest thing ever. Um, it's called Lake also Placid. One... Jesus, with Elmer no. Platt. Come on, man. We're, we're, this is a crocodile thing. Nope, it's fine. It's called Shark Lake. And there's right, another whatever. one called <laughs> there's another one called Arctic Shark. And these sharks are found in the Arctic. So obviously their fins can cut through ice. Um and you know what? Fuck I, you right now, because now I have the shark song stuck in my head because I always mention the sharks. So you know, thank you for that. You're welcome. You are oh, very, very welcome. Um, so yeah, so I I love I love terrible movies. And it's really funny because like my friends won't let me pick movies because I will pick like the worst movies, but like I enjoy them. I think they're great. Um so are you a fan of like Shudder? Because there's a lot of like great terrible movies on that app. I don't actually have that. I, I just I just stick with the basics. I've got Netflix, Amazon Prime, which all the terrible movies are on Amazon Prime. Um, and of course, Disney. Um, do, do yourself a favor and look at Shudder. You'd find some really great stuff there. Yeah, I'll just think that. Mom, if you want a tidbit on that, my wife signed up for a month for free because they do a, a month free subscription. And then she okay. signed out and then she kept on it. So she got like, three, and then she just signed up again. So I began, for the free month and so you got like three free months so interesting i'll have to give it a try no i have a disney plus so mom and dad love disney the whole family loves disney yep. and i went to disney for the first time my sister surprised me with operation Mwahaha and <laughs> surprised me with disney there's actually a really embarrassing video of me figuring out that i'm actually going to disney world and she's not allowed to show that to anybody um what's your sister's like, name i'll just write this down uh, 
you know what? Yeah. We don't need to know. We don't need this to can know be, that. This can be like a mid-credit scene for this podcast. What are you talking about? No, because there's a very, I ugly cry. It's great. Um, <laughs> but I love Disney. I love Disney mu- music. love Disney movies. I love going to Disney. It's the worst thing about COVID issue with not traveling is I haven't been to Disney in like two years or a year, two years. Now, are we talking know. world or land? No world, hundred okay. percent. I went all to right. Disneyland once. Just it checking, was a lot of just fun. making sure. Just checking. <laughs> we all know yeah, world's no, third really land. Yeah, I like it. Um, but no, honestly, I I enjoy anything that gets me moving, uh, gets me active, and and works on my brain. Uh, except for the B-rated movies, obviously, that's my own joy. <laughs> and so, um, why why do you get enjoyments from bad movies? <laughs> I don't does know. It give, does I it think... give you hope for your own uh, storyline ideas? Like, oh, I should write this down because at least it could get made. No, do you know what it is? It's because I love that they put so much heart and soul into these movies and these actors genuinely were excited to get this role. These actors wanted to work. These actors met, 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 like memorized the lines. They showed up on set. They did their job. And I think that people don't, I feel like they need to be appreciated I mean, it's not a great movie, but that's not their fault. Listen, I will. And, I will tell you this from a uh, person who works in the film and television industry. Like, I will never really shit on a movie um, because I know how much work goes into it. Right? There's money, yeah. and there's like people. That being said, there are some movies that are unredeemable. <laughs> like, what the- oh, absolutely! But I really love because you know that you're watching something that somebody called their mom and was like, "Oh my god, I got a part! How cool is that?" You know what's? A- I like that. You know what's a a great bad movie um and this is not my own opinion but from uh, greenland with uh jared butler i hear is fantastic okay well anything jared butler is in is going to be fantastic because the man's a saint i'm not disagreeing with you law abiding citizen is one of my favorite movies of all time right, that right? oh so good every time i pick up a cell phone i'm like ah. <laughs> that's probably one of my favorite scenes to be honest like fuck you bitch you just got well, because he's like really a cell phone and she's like yes and then oh my god um one of my favorite uh bad movies that my wife and i watched is a a movie called patient zero okay so it stars uh matt smith who you might know from doctor who obviously uh, stanley tucci who met him he's lovely have you actually met him met matt smith not stanley tucci if i was if i met if I met Stanley Tucci, he'd be my husband right now. <laughs> I imagine they're both wonderful human beings. Um, but the premise is that Matt Smith is a scientist for the United, uh, United States Army, and he's gotten bitten from zombies, and he's therefore, but he hasn't gotten infected. He's the only one to, who can communicate with the zombies. So they always bring in zombies into the lab so he can try and communicate and find out. And like the premise is fucking fantastic. So good, great cast. But the execution is just so fucking terrible. It's like the difference <laughs> between White House Down and Olympus Has Fallen. Uh, fuck. White House Down is good, though. I mean, both of them. It was good, but like Olympus Has Fallen was definitely like a better version of the same exact same plot line. Because, man, I mean, like, I like White House Down because that's the Chain Tatum, Jane Fox one, right? Where it's like, Fox, more, yeah. more like action comedy, like Independence Day sort of thing, which I'm exactly. more inclined to. Olympus of Fallen is more like serious, like action sort of thing. So it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's one of those ones like, like they're, they're trying, like, for that example, Olympus of Fallen and uh, the other one, it's like they're trying to be the middle child 
instead of like picking the lane you know what i mean yeah. like they, they should have gone full comedy they, they, what is it i think is they try and take themselves too seriously with the film to be honest it's true it's um but if you're looking for like a, a movie that you're like oh it's so good but damn it it's bad <laughs> that's what i'd recommend yeah that's fair i can appreciate that one no i and love also, i love the movies and also a movie that's fucking fantastic as we're talking the movie train uh love and monsters is fucking an amazing i did film. enjoy that one i had somebody recommend that to me i did watch it although and also just something that was recommended to me that i just binged the entire five seasons and like since november 10th was big mouth yeah it's uh i I can only do uh bits and pieces of those seasons it's it's a lot to take in sometimes (laughs) they go they go they go full board to the wall and that sort of thing yeah i didn't think i would enjoy it because it was just genuinely really funny but i went through all five seasons since like november 10th and i'm like oh that was a that was a choice that i just made so how much of a fan of you of comedies and like ridiculous but smart sort of thing I mean, it depends. I'm more of an action person. I would rather watch something get blown up than anything else. Like I would much rather action, violence, like that type of movie um, than than anything else. Okay. So like my recommendations for you for like TV shows, if you're looking for like some weird out-centric comedies, uh, Man Seeking Women is fantastic. Um, Miracle Workers is fantastic. Um, And The Great are all highly recommended by both me and my wife as those are the shows that we actually make time the to watch together. I hear really good things about I was that's on my to watch list yeah it's like it's one of those shows where like I watch it because it's a comedy and the great acting and she's like pretty dresses and funny shit happens yeah exactly <laughs> that's fair so, so like uh, in speaking of art forms and like movies and television um are there any sort of like things outside of physical fitness that help you with your mental state and your therapy and everything like that or no, uh, to be honest, that's pretty much where where my life is. And that's those are things that I enjoy doing. And those are the outlets that I have. I, I really can't draw worth shit. Um, I'm not a creative individual when it comes to making things or building things or that sort of thing. I give full credit to people who are. Um, and like I cook. I love to be in the kitchen. I cook and I bake. But um those are pretty much those are pretty much my outlets that I have, and and I find that they are quite successful with it. And so uh, we'll wrap up shortly. Um, I kind of want to ask you this one question, because like you're doing so many great things involved with like fifteen homes, um, and uh, you know talking and going to therapy and talking about self improvement and that sort of thing. Has ever, there ever been the notion about you know uh, making it a program where you talk to schools or talk to like, young people? Like, is that ever a an idea floats in your head or anything like that or has been pushed on to you, you know, by any chance it's i mean I, I would definitely be open to doing something i think i would need a, a little bit more work on myself to be able to properly convey and, and to lose the ego when it comes to being able to convey things to to the public but i definitely would love to be able to do a little bit more work with with the community and and with children especially kids in foster care and young adults in foster care um because i do i do have a very unique set of skills if if i if i take that line from liam neeson i was gonna um, say yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> but i am i i do feel that i do understand where a lot of them are coming from and and it's not necessarily to say that i can change your life but at least you know let's give some direction and i think a lot of foster kids who age out of the system or who are in the system really and truly just take 
take the value of what they are based off of what's been done to them. And that's not fair and it's not right. And I really, really, really like venomously um, have angst, if you will, against that because what happened to you doesn't make you who you are. What happened to you makes you the person you could become. It, it is attributing factor to it. But every person who has ever had trauma done to, with, around, anything like that, any hardships that you've come across, you have a choice. And I think this is what people need to realize. You can choose to allow you to define who you are. You can let it be that talking point. You can let it be that excuse that you have for why you're so angry, bitter, selfish, whatever it is. You can allow what happened to you to dictate how you act, or you can use it as a motivator to do better, be better, be stronger, be a light in the world that created darkness for you. And I think that is what really needs to be expressed and, and talked about and given that confidence to be that, not necessarily to be the person they think you should be, but be the person you want to be and, and that you deserve to be. And I think that's an important issue to like have. And that's why I kind of wanted you on is because like, um, it's so hard for people to make those right decisions and you're giving people an opportunity to make those right decisions um with fighting homes and with uh lifestyle endless with ish nutrition I, I and like we I, we already covered ish nutrition but like i think it's such a cool thing i got to see you actually do a thing with your friend it was awesome yeah um by the way your episode is uh coming out i think tomorrow tuesday yeah oh tuesday okay yeah i yeah. knew it was coming up yeah and it's the best one of the season in my opinion I'm excited for it. I'm apprehensive, but I'm very excited about it. Yeah, you should be. I add some like googly eyes, uh, special effects. That's Amazing. Done. Yeah. I love yeah. it. <laughs> um, now let's wrap it up here. Um, is there anything, I mean, is there anything else you'd like to say? Like say someone's like looking at gain therapy, like what would you suggest them? Like, should they just do it? Like, was there like a, a site to go to where like, you didn't know, like it's... what are your final thoughts on this whole thing? <laughs> I, I would honestly say that it is the most freeing thing you can possibly be to finally be comfortable in your own skin. And in order to do that, sometimes it means having to have some very uncomfortable conversations with someone you don't know. And that's also the blessing of therapy and also or counseling or, or talking to a spiritual advisor or whatever route you want to take reach out to, you know, speak to your medical professionals, reach out um, on Instagram. There's tons of like ways you can actually find local counseling. That is actually pretty great. Um, Google, I, I mean, honestly, Google, open up the conversation to those around you. Uh, if you're in the Sarnia area, we have wonderful, I think Life Seasons is a really good one. They have phenomenal practitioners, the Health Counseling Center, and of course, there's, you know, uh, smaller practices that are available as well. But honestly, the, the, the best thing I can say is just, just take the step just take it, just, just do it. I, and, and do it in the way that works for you. Do it over the phone, do it in the video or in person. Don't care. Just. And, but like, it's like, but like, how would you, what are some of the signs that you would look for, um, for finding the right, uh, therapist? Cause I mean, like you, you and I probably both have tons of life experience where like, we've been in situations where like people are in positions of their jobs that shouldn't be in those positions, right? 
Yeah, and I think with with anything else, you know, you really have to connect with who you're working with. Um, I was very lucky. I found a counselor that I connect with, and I think she's absolutely amazing. She's helped me way more than I really thought was possible. Uh, the one thing I would say to somebody who is questioning about it or who is seeing somebody right now who just maybe doesn't feel amazing is to be honest about it. You don't have to stick with somebody that doesn't make you feel comfortable or makes you feel that you can open up to them. And if it's within your comfort level, have that open discussion. Maybe you just have two different com like communication skills. Maybe there, there, there's a multitude of reasons, but it's okay to be selective when it comes to seeking out a counselor, a therapist, a spiritual advisor, a Reiki practitioner, whoever it is you choose to speak to. Um, you're allowed to be selective. And listen to your gut, listen to your heart. If you find somebody you click with, then you know what? Take that step and sit down and start chatting. If you find you don't, like I had a couple of them that I'm like, you are amazing. I just don't connect with you. And I think I want to try somebody new. And um, I think that's important is like people need to know their own worth and like be stubborn, be, be egotistical it. sometimes. Those are uh, moments. I think it's that, that ability to realize that you're in therapy and it's supposed to be or a counseling or spiritual whatever it is it's a safe space and if you're not safe in that space you're not going to help heal or grow or have that and and to be open about that to the person you're seeing um counseling is all about being open and communicating so if you're comfortable, maybe say, you know what, I'm not comfortable in this environment. I'm not comfortable over the phone. I'm not comfortable over email, whatever it is, but make that call and, and do what's best for you. Because in this circumstance, you're allowed to be selfish. And what's been best for me is having you on this podcast. You've been a fantastic guest this evening. Um, where can people find you on all your social Instagrams or in social Instagram, Instagram, social Twitter, whatever, yes. if they want to get a hold of you and like ask advice or a thing, because I feel like you're more uh, than likely to actually be able to help people and like maybe give a voice to the voiceless sort of thing. Um, yeah, well, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. That's for sure. And and I'm no means an expert when it comes to things like this. This is all just my. I can I can attest to that. Not an expert. Whatever. It's not not an expert, but it is it is my life. It is my my activities, my own personal opinion from experiences and things like that. Uh, I love open dialogue. If you have any questions, would like to book an appointment with ISH Nutrition, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at ISH Nutrition. Uh, you can also email me at joanne at ishnutrition.com. Uh, and I work out of Blue Water Nutrition, which is a phenomenal health food store and holistic clinic in Sarnia, Ontario. Um, we have a holistic practitioner, an Arabic doctor, a naturopath, an osteopath, like we're a full clinic. So you can also find me there if you'd like to set up an appointment. All right. Well, Joanne, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Oh, uh, you're, you. a you're a beautiful soul and I wish nothing but the best for you. So cheers. Well, thank you very much. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Joanne Ferns. Like I said, very special person. Um, and uh, she's going to just continue to do uh, more and better things with her life. Uh, that's my honest opinion. Uh, if you want to get a hold of her or have any questions for um, 12 Homes or um, Ish Nutrition, that sort of thing, uh, you can find her on Ish Nutrition on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and I think TikTok as well. Um, so that's it for this week. Uh, I know we're a little sporadic with the episodes coming out and everything, but tis the holiday season and i am very busy at my real shoot job and everything so i'm gonna try and keep on uh 
bringing you guys content and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. So until then and down the road, we'll see you there. Cheers.